The Queen uh, lies in state at Westminster Hall right now. But we lie in wait for the Hall of Justice, the war room. Let me be perfectly clear. Putting out misinformation. And we hear that. Misleading politics. What's really important here. Spreading it online. Unequivocally. The war room. And here they are. All of them knighted for their wisdom. The Duke himself. Tim Powers, chairman of Summa Strategies and managing director of Abacus Data, which is why we do call him the Duke of Data. And now, and of course, the man who was knighted many, many times, or as he likes to say, once a night is enough, Tom Mulcair, the CTV political analyst and former NDP leader. Hi, Evan. Once a king, always a king, but once a night is enough. And the king himself, uh, Zane Velge, political campaign strategist, partner at Northweather, formerly worked with Calgary Mayor. Uh, welcome, gents. Uh, before we get into the actual shenanigans of politics, uh, a warm welcome to our mm-hmm. brother Zane, um, who has yes. just come back, folks, uh, from the loss of his dad. And um, these are not easy times. And I, first of all, we send you our love and our... Um, kinship and fellowship and to you and your family and and just tell us how how are you and how's your mom and how, how's everyone holding up oh thank you evan i mean and, and thanks to to the three of you for your kind words and thoughts and just wisdom and insight it's 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 meant a lot oh uh, yeah we're we're doing okay i was just telling tom you know just before he got on air four vaccines and my dad still passed of, of covid but you know one of those things that we got that I know many families across the country didn't get was a chance to talk to him before he left. We knew he was, these were his final hours and days and he was lucid for a two hour period where he kind of gave us life advice and he talked to us about things that he uh, didn't necessarily regret, but wish that we would take on and carry on and did his last rites, which was really important to him. And in the sense of closure, I mean, I couldn't have scripted a, a better send off for, for, for a man I love so much. So mom and I are doing well and, uh, it's thanks to to the kind words and the and, and the and the uh, real deep sentiment that the three of you have uh, alongside others that uh, that's helped us get through it. So thank you for that, really. Well, thank you uh, for coming back. And I know um, Tim and I, and I think Tom. I, I don't know if your dad is. My, we all lost our dads. And, and yeah, my dad uh, passed uh, quite a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Zane, you know, this is such a the land of grief is so odd, right? That that dance yeah. of an absence and a presence. I don't know if you were there for your dad's last moments. Um, and I, I, when I saw my dad's last moment, we, we were lucky enough to be there, but it, it took me months and months to kind of, mm-hmm. it was almost like a wall that you had to climb over it. Cause I kept seeing those last moments as if that was his last, his whole life. And you have to almost climb over those. Yeah. those and then once you get to the top of that, then you go back and you actually see that that's just a tiny moment in an incredible life. But I, those are very difficult times. Yeah. Oh, very, very much so. And, and we were, you know, like when I said I couldn't have scripted better, it was all of us by his bedside, holding his hand, talking to him. Um, he knew it was there. We were, he was on compassionate care at that moment where the oxygen level was uh, put to a more sort of, you know, c- comfortable level rather than, you know, survival level, if I can be so, so crass. And he, he knew and, and, and um, yeah, and I think for all of us, it's just that point, Evan, we had so many other memories, uh, even in that two or three day period that we now can can hold on to defining what that experience was rather than just simply the, those last uh, heartbeats and those last breaths. And it was uh, very, very special in, in, in that in that way. We're all talking about grieving because of the queen. 
this 10-day, but this is so much more personal. I just want to give Tom and, and then Tim just an opportunity to say something about that. We, we've all been here, sadly. It's a club you never mm. want to join, but you're, you're in it. Um, and, and the country's trying to deal with grief on a much more uh, general way, obviously, with the Queen. But but yet, Tom, just some words for Zane, because it is these are transformative moments, and no words really capture these kind of things. No, and Zane's first note to us showed the importance of his dad in his life. And I think that that's the most uh, relevant thing to look at here for him. He he saw everything that his dad had accomplished coming here to Canada. He's got an experience that's so different from, from many other people. And his dad was, was the pillar uh, of, of the family. And he's got a lot of other really strong people in his family. We know that. And I think that Zane has, has dealt with this uh, in an amazing way. And, and for those of us who didn't have the chance to be there at the last minute, my dad died when he was fairly young. Um, it, it's very interesting what you were saying, Evan, because it's, it's the ability to look at the whole life of the person. My dad was a, a towering figure. He and my mom had 10 kids and, you know, they had really struggled hard all their life and they were just amazing uh, people. My mom's still with us, but uh, I know exactly what he's talking about. Mm. You know, during the pandemic, there were other people who died of things not COVID related. I know two people in my family who, who died of what I, I've called, and I've invented the term COVID sadness. One of my brothers mm. was in a nursing home in Ontario and all of a sudden nobody could come and see him. The, the staff were looked like astronauts and he simply stopped eating. He, he just he just decided that he was going to leave this earth. And so this pandemic has left scars and left things that are, you know, we're, I think we're going to take years to deal with it because we're still, you know, getting our fifth doses of our vaccines now and yeah. trying to pre- prevent this horrible mm-hmm. thing. There's there's a lot, a lot left to deal with. Uh, I just want to say, I don't know. I didn't know your dad, Tom, but if he had 10 kids. Uh, he clearly loved life and had a lot of strength because 10 mole cares, if you're any indication, <laughs> the guy must have been an absolute incredible it's called, guy. It's called, it's called hedging your bet. <laughs> <laughs> My God, 10 mole cares. T- Timmy, uh, I- I've had the great chance to, to be with Tim. Tim's mom, Debs, is a force and she's fantastic. Uh, but any words to Zane and, and, and about that? You know, losing, like, again, we're in this collective moment of grief, so I, I feel it's okay to talk about this. We're, we're talking about the Queen, but it allows a space for all of us to talk about how we deal with memory and continuity. Timmy? Well, and equally important, we're all four men here, and 10 years ago, a discussion like this probably wouldn't have happened, and it's important that it is. As I <clears throat> said to Zane, as you know, my dad died. It'll be uh, nine years on September 20th. Still remember the day. Still remember how it happened. Passed away in my sister's house of a heart attack here in Ottawa. Uh, and uh, I think about him every day. I've been blessed since then to, to have a, a young son, Patrick. And the, the greatest gift I try to give Patrick, other than love and support, are memories of his grandfather. Because in Patrick, I see a lot of the things I saw my father. So I've, I've been blessed now in uh, a few years after my dad passed away. But, in, you know, your parent is your parent. Your dad is your dad, no matter what the age. And it still hurts and it's still hard. And you do your best to take the good and the inspiration from them and carry them forward. Uh, well said all. And by the way, Tim, uh, to Patrick, I follow the Mulcair example. We've got nine more to go. So just uh, <laughs> so eat, eat well, buddy, because I tell you, there's not a lot of sleep. Zane, Zane you, you've also, your mother-in-law is obviously Lieutenant uh, Governor of uh, um, Alberta. But to, 
polls on the monarchy, let, let's just quickly, I got just a couple minutes. Yeah. The, the polls on the monarchy, like 77% of Canadians don't care that much about it. Are we overdoing this 10 days or not? I don't think we're overdoing the 10 days. We still are a, you know, constitutional monarchy. We still, you know, have, have the king. We still have our lieutenant governors, our governor general, our democratic processes still flow in. I don't think we're overdoing it. There's also, you know, in, in terms of a practical sense, very little we can do as it relates to uh, us. If our polling is at 70 percent being like, oh, I don't like this thing. Well, we really can't do anything without the unanimity of, of all provinces and the federal government. So unlike, let's say, Australia, where their prime minister had kind of campaigned to lay down the groundwork to make Australia a republic, uh, he's now getting peppered with questions. Okay, when is that referendum question coming? You know, when are we going to kind of move away from this? Because similar polling has emerged out of there. Uh, but for us, don't think we're overdoing it. And I also don't think there's anything we can do about it. Tom, come well back. said, because because the constitutional change in Canada is nigh impossible. But one consolation is if we look because of what just happened, we've been talking about constitutional monarchies, go through the list. You know, countries like the Netherlands, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Great Britain, of course, and then offshoots like Canada and Australia. You know what? Or even, you know, throw in Japan. They don't do too badly in terms of political stability long term yeah. compared to many other places. OK, on hold Earth. on. Let, 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 Tom, I'll pick you up. I think that's that's a point. I got to just uh, speaking of political stability. We got to uh, take a break. The worm's going to be back. I want to talk a bit more about this. Pierre Polyev and the inflation issue. Lots more to come. Stay with the war room. We are back inside the war room with the uh, demi-royals, as I'll call them, because I have no authority to give any titles. But um, anyway, Dr. Velge's here and Professor Bouguer is here and the Duke of Data. Tim Powers is here. Uh, Tom, I rudely interrupted you just because we have to pay the bills. Um, this is hey, We got to monetize we got to monetize, yes. <laughs> so let's monetize the monarchy here. Uh, just, just real quick, how's it going over in Quebec, Legault? There is an election there. The idea that uh, that uh, Premier Legault would, in one for one picosecond, actually say, everyone have a day off to honor the monarchy is, like, never going to happen. And, well, the PQ got mad at Legault because he put uh, the flags on Quebec buildings, the Quebec flag, at half-staff. So he, he did more than, than even the PQ wanted him to do. So that was a bit of a nod in the direction of the, you know, the, the morning that everybody else was going through. But no, not, as you say, not a nanosecond of, uh, of holiday or a day off or, you know, remembrance that way. But again, compared to what others would have had him do, it wasn't that bad. But it's been an odd election. He's been really digging in on his anti-immigrant themes, very openly associating immigrants with violence. It's just so unseemly. And it would never even pass, but it's hardly getting noticed in the rest of Canada. Then over the weekend, he really drilled down on people who arrive here without the ability to speak French right away, saying that they were going to break up the national cohesiveness of Quebec. So it's very clear now if at the beginning it was oops that was a slip of the tongue i apologize yeah, if i'm sorry misunderstood uh oh. now it's quite clear that this is a tack he wants to be on because he's trying to keep the separatists within his fold and it's a scorched earth policy with regard to minorities religious and linguistic because of course one of his targets is the english-speaking community of quebec well and he's also got the, the a suddenly resurgent conservative party uh, coming yeah. up there so he's got a uh zane let, let me go to you what do you make of pierre polyev let, let's switch over Mr. Polyev, massive victory, 68. We haven't even had a chance to talk about all this, guys. But uh, 
the 68 percent. Now he comes out. He's already had his first battle with the mainstream media dismissing David Aiken, who, by the way, apologized for it. He did the wrong thing by interrupting Mr. Polyev. He could chase Mr. Polyev after. But Aiken knew he was in the wrong, yelling at Mr. Polyev before the thing. But then Mr. Polyev dismissed him as a liberal heckler, which is also the wrong thing. <laughs> but but remember, all that is a sideshow to the inflation nation debate that the liberals are trying to shore up a very vulnerable wing on. So how do you uh, put that all into perspective, Doc? Yeah, a couple of things. So I think the 68 or 69 percent that Polyev got is an impressive number, more impressive as a number. 98%. That's how many of the ridings across the country he won. So this mandate that he's gotten from his members is extensive, it is broad, and it is deep. And we can't forget that from the ramifications of how much rope his party will let Pierre be Pierre. And that includes things like yesterday, right? Where other times you could see if, if a leader had a 51% mandate and that ha- incident happened with Aiken yesterday, there might be folks being like, okay, we got to make sure we navigate this. In Pierre's case, they're going to give him the widest berth, the most amount of rope. I don't think that's a great thing in some ways in terms of trying to maybe tone shift, which I think he needs to do. I don't think he does. But uh, you'll see that and you'll see more incidents like this where Pierre's got the the, the widest berth to, to be who he is. I think the biggest lesson for him and the biggest sort of note I'd give him, not to say he wants to take advice from someone like me, is he can't get high on his own supply here. And, and, and he needs to understand that there is a, an, an element of being able to moderate yourself, just even in tone, not even in policy if you don't want to, but moderate yourself so that you're not always the shiny thing every single week, because I think that is where he runs out of gas and runs out of steam. If it's that same sort of energy week in, week out, people might turn on that rather than be attracted to it because seven months and three years are very different time horizons. Mm-hmm. One being how long this leadership race was and one being how long he may need to wait until, until he can officially take on Justin Trudeau. Good point. Good, 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 good luck following that, Tim Powers. You've got to figure out what tone shift means. Then you've got to try to say well, something as smart as get high on your I supply. Mean, I'm going to chase the beer here. Come on. <laughs> you're probably, yeah, you're probably high on your own supply right now. Okay, what's, what's your take on the, the inflation debate going on? And, and even clearly now what we've seen, this first kind of skirmish between a mainstream media, and, and, and which, by the way, Pierre probably have scrupulously uh, ignored for seven months. That's not to excuse David Aiken's behavior, but it's it's an interesting context. Yeah, I, I too, like you know David, I know him to be a professional journalist. Uh, yes, he made a mistake. He apologized for it. And the mistake has grown in as much as it's uh, going to put more coffers into conservative uh, fundraising accounts because they've already got a fundraising letter out on it. Oh, yeah. they, they had um, it out last night within about yeah. 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so look, you're almost playing into Pierre's narrative when you create that occasion, even though, yes, as you say, David was doing his job, albeit clumsily. Um, uh, Polyev, I think Zane is diagnosed correctly. Uh, they ha- have a big, strong mandate. They have a whole tailwind of confidence. Um, there aren't many people in that group who doubt their own strength and vision and uh, course of sense of direction. They're going to have to be careful with that. The fact that they lost a conservative MP yesterday was almost entirely irrelevant to them. And that MP, Alan Reyes, who's a decent individual, Tom would know of him as well in Quebec, well-regarded in Quebec, was dismissed as supporting just inflation. So exactly, yeah, the, exactly. The, the trick for Pierre is now pace. Um, and as you and I know, mm-hmm. as runners, is this a sprint or a marathon? And if it's a marathon, 
your pacing's got to be a hell of a lot different than it is, even though you start it well out of the gates. Okay, tempo <laughs> yeah. shift, some tone shift to tempo shift. Tom, you're the only one here that's been on the other side of that when uh, journalists are gnawing at your knees there. What, what's what's the protocol and what did you make of that? Exchange, I, I really do want to get at the Liberals' response to inflation too, but Tom. Well, you can push back sometimes and, and it has to be done. But what I note with Poilievre is it's always a hard ball to the head. And if that's your only pitch, <laughs> people are just going to step back from the plate, right? And so it was so personal in his reaction. The one that uh, Tim just mentioned, Alain Reyes, hey, he was their key organizer. He put together the unbelievable slate of candidates in 2019. Unfortunately, it was squandered by Andrew Scheer. But he's yeah, he was just Scheer's an amazing Quebec lieutenant. Yeah, he was an amazing asset, this guy. Former mayor of Victoriaville, a sizable town here in Quebec. Very skilled player. And he just stepped back and said, I can't do it. I can't go with this guy. And, of course, that got him a very personal shot that you just mentioned. Same thing, you know, with regard to David Aiken, the consummate professional. By the way, the former Sun Media National Bureau Chief. You know, Sun Television <laughs> was, was Stephen Harper's Fox News. And this guy is a liberal Come on. You know, it didn't even make any sense. I, I also think that Aiken is so deeply experienced. He's smart to, to apologize. But what he was essentially doing is laying down his own marker. Hey, buddy, if you're not going to take questions and you think we're here to act as your stenographers, ain't going to happen. And I think that he was doing mm. pushback in a, uh, you know, I like Tim's word. It was a bit clumsy. But I think that there was a deeper game going on there with the press gallery saying, hey, buddy, no, you, you know, you're not in front of your crowd in an arena in, in Edmonton, you're in parliament and we've got questions for you and we're going to do our jobs and we're going to let you do yours, but respect us. Otherwise we won't yeah, respect of you. Course They're willing to take them down a peg. Right. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy though. People are going to say, see, they pick on us more as conservatives than they're Trudeau. I get all that. Okay. But Zane, I'm going to give you the last word today. Um, real quick, the liberals finally get back uh, with some kind of affordability plan, you know, 500 bucks on the home rental, they're doubling the GST tax credit and, the, and, 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 and um, national dental care for kids under, uh, 12 for low-income kids. Uh, too little, too late for them, or are they back in the game? Uh, too little, too late, and, and just really botch the comms from my perspective, because I, as much as I like each of these three policies elementally, the headline is now reading dental care, the solution to inflation. And part of that is because of the twerking on the other side. But haven't we seen this movie? We saw this movie with childcare as being the solution to inflation. And so it almost kind of shows once again, and, and if you want to criticize, uh, it gives the conservatives and the, in, in some ways a lot of rope to say, look, again, these yeah. guys are only good at announcing what they've already produced because they don't have any creative or real solutions to what affects you. They just want to stick to their plan regardless of what you're going through. Right, right. And I think they've opened themselves up to that criticism again. Well, you can't say a beer is a cure for every bad day, but uh, maybe <laughs> dental care is not a cure for inflation, but we may help some people. We're not sure. Okay, Zane, Tom, and uh, Tim, great, great, great to... Great to <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call you the Duke of Data. Hey, Zane, our love and thoughts go out to you and the family, of course. Uh, gents, you're, 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 you're all just great guys, and I really appreciate it. 